Hello everyone, I'm Ellis Traub and this is Money, Business and More. Today we're going to talk about using other people's money to advance your purposes. Of all the ways to obtain money, borrowing it comes just above stealing it in the hierarchy of ways and means. Above it, of course, making, earning, and being gifted will reign supreme. But like fire, credit can be both incredibly useful and helpful, while at the same time it can be enormously destructive if you're careless. The trick, of course, is to be extremely careful to do it properly and observe the appropriate safeguards. Not listed in that hierarchy is investment, and we'll explain the reasons later in this podcast. So, if you're starting a business for the first time, the first place to look for other people's money is to get it from your family, friends, or acquaintances. If they won't give it to you outright, or if you're not comfortable seeking funds from them, the best way to manage it is to structure what you ask for as an investment rather than a loan, offering them a piece of the action, and be careful not to give them too big a piece, relieves you of any legal responsibility to pay back the principal and assures you that unless your venture is profitable, your obligation to them will be a moral one and not a legal one. But be sure when you go that route, you're honest with them about the risks and they understand that they're accepting those risks along with you. That way, if need be, you can offer to pay them interest on what they give you, but not pay back the principal until you can afford to from your company's profits. They won't have any expectations otherwise, and you won't be burdened with the full amount until it's within your means to manage it. However, even if you can't get the money from your family, friends, or acquaintances as an investment, you're still better off keeping your borrowing close to home. You'll likely be able to negotiate better terms, both the interest rate and term, than you would be able to going to a commercial source. And, worst case scenario, if you run into trouble, your friends and family will likely be a lot more understanding and lenient than a bank would be. However, it may be that funds obtained that way are not adequate to meet your needs. In that case, you'll need to look elsewhere. Here are a couple of fundamental rules that should keep you out of trouble. The first is never borrow for any reason unless you're sure that it'll make you money. When I say sure, I mean that you've been careful to weigh the business risks, and barring any remote and unforeseen circumstances, you'll make more than enough money to pay it back with the interest it earns for them. Those who lend money will also weigh those risks and have to feel comfortable that your promise to pay it back is based on solid ground. When you borrow money for your business, you should be able to show your lenders a business plan that demonstrates you've taken every precaution to minimize those risks and are doing more than just hoping you'll be able to be in a position to pay it. Our observation about money being a token given for value received applies just as much here as anywhere else. Your lenders provide you with the funds because the value they receive will be the money they expect to earn on that money. Those who borrow money with any less conviction that they'll be able to pay it back with interest are, for all practical purposes, stealing it. This is more than just a philosophical nuance. It's a very practical one, not only for your lenders, but also for you. Failing to repay a loan is financial suicide. Your credit will suffer and your chances of ever being able to borrow funds again will be slim to none. The second rule is a corollary to the first. 
If you do borrow money for other than increasing your profits, never ever borrow money without enough collateral to guarantee that no matter what happens to you, your lenders will be able to at least recover what they entrusted you with. A good example of such borrowing is using the funds for buying a home. Typically, you'll not be able to borrow more than 80% of the value of that home, so if you should encounter circumstances that prevent you from making your payments on time, they'll at least be able to foreclose on that home and recover their principal. An example of a foolish loan is borrowing money to buy a car. Granted, a car is a necessity in today's world. You can't get to work or go to the supermarket to buy your food if you don't have one. But the value of a new car decreases by nearly a third the moment you drive it off the showroom floor. And it's for that reason that those who offer car loans take special care to check your credit record and do as much due diligence as possible. They have to be sure that your track record will give them better than even odds that you'll be conscientious enough to pay them. For that matter, unless you have a steady income that's sufficient to guarantee your ability to make the payments, you shouldn't even consider buying a new car. Borrowing money because you don't have enough money to pay your bills is not just bad, it's crazy. You simply get further in debt, increase what you owe because of the interest on the loan, and dig a deeper hole for yourself to dig out of. That said, how is it possible to use other people's money to start up your business? If it's a new business, how can you possibly have enough certainty to abide by the first rule? Well, we're going to spend the next few minutes discussing exceptions to that rule. First of all, it's important to know that even in the worst economy, banks and other lending institutions are still in business to lend money. That's how they make their money, pay their employees, and meet their own obligations. They need good, solid loans. When you approach a lender for money, understand that they're dying to lend it to you. Just like any sales situation, and you are selling them on the value that they'll receive by giving you this loan, not you. They're not your enemy. They depend upon good, solid borrowers to keep their own businesses afloat. So when you present your business plan to a loan officer in a commercial bank, he or she will be absolutely delighted if you're able to show them a well-thought-out plan in which the expected income is justified by solid data, it's been understated to avoid unpleasant surprises, and shows that the funds are being used for purposes that provide them with sufficient collateral to ensure them that they won't be sorry they lent it to you. They don't want to turn you down, and they're just as disappointed as you are when they're handed a business plan that comes up short. They want to be able to go bounding into their loan committee meeting and say, hey, I can't wait to show you what this guy brought me. Another important thought here is that we who are looking for a loan also don't want to undertake any obligation that we can't handle. As I said before, if you borrow money without being sure you can repay it, it's tantamount to stealing it. And since you don't want to be in that position for a whole lot of reasons, it's good that you have someone competent to look over your shoulder and tell you that you shouldn't do it when you shouldn't. A loan officer who calls your attention to flaws in your planning is an ally and not an enemy. If you listen carefully to what he says instead of thinking he's doing you a disservice, you may very well be able to fix whatever it is that doesn't work. And if you do and can back up the changes with good data and not just fudge the numbers to produce the result he wants, you'll have a loan officer who respects you and will be only too happy to bring your application to his loan committee with a favorable recommendation. 
And when you approach your loan officer for the first time, it won't hurt to make it a point to let him know that that's your attitude. You're always better off in any situation when you can at least figuratively sit down on the same side of the table with the other party and try to work together to produce a desirable outcome from both. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Did you know that you have access to a personal mentor to help you with your business issues? Whether you're starting a new business or trying to improve the way an existing business runs, you'll find them at SCORE.org. This is the website for SCORE, the Service Corps of Retired Executives. It's an arm of the U.S. Small Business Administration and consists of thousands of volunteers in more than 300 cities across the United States. And the best part is that their services are offered at no cost to you. At SCORE.org, you can enter your zip code and find a list of local mentors, each showing his or her areas of expertise. And you can schedule your own appointment at a convenient time and location. SCORE also offers a variety of regular workshops presented by professionals in their fields. You can see a current schedule of those events and pre-register on the spot. Some general classes are offered free of charge, while others have a modest fee, which is usually discounted for pre-registration. Check it out! SCORE is the place to go to find someone whose experience may be just what you need. So, when you complete your feasibility study and all the research that goes into it, and use that information in your final business plan, you'll want to make it a point to allocate the borrowed funds to assets they can repossess if the need arises. Machinery to increase your production, a vehicle that enables you to deliver what you produce, or inventory you need to create the things you expect to sell are just fine. They're certainly not going to want to see those funds allocated simply to pay your salary or to cover existing current liabilities. So make it clear that the funds are required to purchase those assets and that you intend them to serve as collateral to guarantee your loan. If you need to borrow more funds than you can be collateralized that way, it's best to start with a personal loan that relies on your personal responsibility to pay it back. As a new entrepreneur, the amount you can borrow that way is minimal. But if you've done the job that Rich Kirshen has detailed in his fine podcast, Building Your Business Credit, you'll likely be able to borrow enough to meet your needs. If your goals are modest and you're building a business with reasonable goals and sufficient to provide for a comfortable life for you and your family, to accumulate a reserve for retirement and for emergencies, and nothing more, then you'll do just fine with borrowed funds. And if you pay back your loans on time, then if you need additional funds along the way, you should be able to get them from your happy lenders. Suppose, however, your ambition is greater than that, and you want to build a business that will grow big enough to interest the investing public in sharing your profits with you, or you look forward to first cloning it and then franchising the brand. Then you have a different scenario. The reason we didn't mention investing in the hierarchy of ways and means at the outset is that unlike funds you borrow, a business owner is under no legal obligation to return the money. He or she is obligated only to do their best to produce a good return on that investment. Investors share the business risks with the business owner, and they, therefore, assume responsibility for assessing the risks themselves before entrusting their funds to the business owner. However, there are trade-offs. One is that the owner usually has to agree to share a part of the business with the investor. 
And two, more often than not, the investor will expect to have some say in the way the business is managed. Also, before any professional investor will lend you a cent, you'll have to be able to show some kind of track record for the venture you're trying to get them to invest in. A venture capital company won't even listen to you until you've had some experience in the business and have shown that you know what you're doing and can make a profit for them, and that your business has the potential to make a substantial profit. Yes, you'll have to begin it just like everyone else, getting money from your family and friends until it's healthy enough to persuade a bank that you're a good risk. Then, working with the bank to grow it large enough to run on autopilot while you create a track record that might be good enough to interest an angel, some individual who's wealthy enough to have extra funds that he or she wishes to invest in a healthy enterprise. There are many such people out there, and if you've done your homework, have a thriving company that you can show with a competent business plan that it has the potential to grow and provide your angel an exit plan once he's met his own goals and yours, then you can find them easily. How? Well, here we go again. Just Google, where can I find angel investors? And you can spend a whole week exploring all of the places you can find them. Even the U.S. Small Business Administration has put together a database of such investors that you can explore. It's called the Angel Capital Investment Network, ASNEC. And it allows you to upload your business plan in their format and have it searched and found by angels with from 250000 bucks to $5 million to lend to the right entrepreneur. These are people who want nothing more than to make money with their money in the right situation. When you grow your business large enough, you can enter the rarefied world of venture capitalists. These are people who lend huge sums to going concerns who can convince them that their business can make them rich. You can get the flavor of living in this arena by watching Shark Tank on ABC television and seeing what kind of information the sharks demand from those who are looking for their help. And when it comes to creating a formal business plan, you're going to want to include as much drama and excitement as you see required on that program. Once again, you'll find all the venture capital funds you'll need with a keystroke on Google. With all of this, there are two important takeaways. The first is simply this. There's more money out there than there's been in a long time. But even if times are not as good as they are, in the depths of a recession, banks need to earn money for their shareholders and to make their payrolls. And so do other investors who earn their keep by putting their money to work for them. Everyone who has money to lend or invest, either professionally or even on just on an individual basis, is eager to find the right place to put it. And that leads me to the second one, which is that if you have an idea for a business that provides significant value to those you serve, if you've conscientiously done a feasibility study that includes a diligent study of your potential market, an understatement of your income, an overstatement of your expenses, all based on data to support it, and if that feasibility study indicates that you can make a success of that business, and if you can translate that feasibility study into a compelling business plan, there's no reason on God's green earth why you can't find the money to pursue it.